Please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, page 1,461. Same chapter as yesterday, uh, but instead of reading the first 14 verses, we're going to read the last 12. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 41. This is a story about when Jesus was 12 years old. Luke 2, beginning at verse 41. Listen to God's word. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and people. The word of the Lord. That is the only story that we have in all of the Bible that describes Jesus as being something other than um, an infant or an adult. In every other story, he's zero or he's 33. We get one where he's 12. Um, and no other gospel actually tells this story. It's only in the gospel of Luke. And Luke was such a purposeful writer. Everything that he wrote had such a strong purpose. So it makes you wonder, why would he include this story? Uh, why would Luke tell us this story when others don't? And why would he place it where he does? If you were to read the gospel of Luke today... Um, and to look carefully at how things progress in this story, you'll see that all of the attention has been on things, that's that, things that are happening around Jesus up until this point. All of the action is someone else's action. All of the things that are happening are happening around Jesus. The angels are coming and going. Joseph and Mary are doing all of their things. The shepherds are coming and going. All of this stuff is happening, but Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Just like a newborn baby, everything is about the newborn baby, but the newborn baby really doesn't do much at all. So Luke ends his Christmas narrative by making a shift. The last thing that happens in this Christmas narrative isn't just something that happens around Jesus. 
The last thing that happens in this Christmas narrative is something that Jesus does. Jesus, instead of being passive about the action, Jesus is active about the action. Jesus takes the reins. And I wonder if Luke has a purpose in that. It's almost like this text is a little preview of what life with Jesus is going to be like. When he's this little baby, um, he's very cute, and he's very manageable, and he's in the manger, and every once in a while he needs his diaper changed and that kind of thing. But then when he's 12, suddenly Jesus is beginning to figure some stuff out, and he's starting to raise some questions, and he's starting to figure himself out, and he's coming into his own, and he's suddenly not easily managed anymore. Jesus isn't passive anymore. You know what surprised me most about um, in my, what I learned in my study this past week? I was so surprised by how Jesus makes such little sense to everyone around him. Everybody's mystified by him. Did you notice that? Everybody's confused by Jesus. Not just the people who don't really know him, but also the people who know him better than anyone else. So, for example, in verses uh, 46 and 47, we find out that Jesus has been kind of hiding out with these religious intellectuals, and he's been sitting with these elites, and these people don't know anything about him. And the text says, quite understandably, that these people were amazed by him. They were like, who is this kid? So not only are they thinking, like, like uh, where did this kid come from, and how did he get so smart, but also... We get the sense that Jesus was saying things that these scholars had never heard before. He was seeing things and he was drawing connections that had never occurred to them before. Jesus was a mystery to these guys. But it's not just these strangers who are baffled by Jesus. His parents were too. So in verse 48, Mary says to her son, she says, I feel so bad for Mary. Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. It seems like this was so out of character for Jesus, right? She's, she's gobsmacked. She can't believe that all of this is happening. She's so, why would you do this, Jesus? And Jesus says, and it's kind of hard to know exactly how to read him here, but he essentially says, like, you didn't know that I'd be here? He seems genuinely confused. Like, Mom, you didn't know that I would be right here? Now, I'll ask you, who knows and loves Jesus more than anybody else in the world? His mother. No one had greater insight into how his little mind worked. Nobody understood and enjoyed his personality more than she did, more than she did, and yet she was dumbfounded. Jesus was a mystery to her. I think this is an important insight into what life with Jesus is like. Everyone's perplexed by Jesus. Everyone. The people who don't know him 
and who aren't necessarily committed to him, and the people who do know him, and the people who love him to death. They're all perplexed by him. Jesus is a wild card in everyone's hand. It's really easy to be to be sentimental and to be cute about this little baby because he does all the things that little babies do and nothing more. But then the season of Christmas is a journey beyond the manger. The season of Christmas is a journey beyond that point of us having a handle on Jesus. To this point where suddenly Jesus doesn't even fit our expectations of him anymore. And he's not acting like we thought he would like. And he's not in the places we thought he would be. And he's not behaving in the ways that we thought he should behave. Joseph and Mary had to learn this the hard way. Right? And so do we. Even though... On Christmas morning, he started out small. Jesus never has perfectly fit into our understanding of him. He has never perfectly fit into our understanding of him. Jesus has never abided by our political sensibilities. Never. Jesus has never been describable by our language or by our understanding. Jesus has never fit the cultural parameters through which we first understood him. He has never fit the cultural parameters through which we first understood him. Jesus does not fit the frame that we bought for him. And it's a little unnerving. You can just ask Mary. If your Bibles are still open... There are, there are two perfect examples of this in the text. And I, I breeze right past them until somebody else, until a commentator pointed out to me. But there's two perfect examples of this where we see Jesus very carefully step outside of other people's categories for him. Okay? The first example is in verses 46 and 47. And it says that Jesus is sitting there in the temple courts, and he's among the teachers and, 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 and the scholars, and he's listening to them, and he's asking them questions. And then it says that everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Did you catch that very subtle shift? In verse 46, Jesus is asking questions. In verse 47, he's giving answers. Isn't that interesting? Second example. Um, at the very beginning of the text, verse 41, Joseph and Mary are, are, are the primary movers of the action in the plot. They're the, the, the storyteller is following them. So they're the ones driving the plot forward. They're the subjects of the action. They are the ones going to Jerusalem, Joseph and Mary. They're the ones leading the way. But then at the end of the text, in verse 51... Jesus is the subject, subject of the action. He is the one going back to Nazareth, accompanied by his parents. On the way to Jerusalem, it was his parents accompanied by Jesus. On the way back to Nazareth, it's Jesus accompanied by his parents. Isn't that interesting? They're still his parents, right? And when they got back to Nazareth, they still set his bedtime, I imagine. 
But something was very different. Something was not the way it used to be in the way that they operated with Jesus. Jesus wasn't just tagging along with his parents anymore. Everybody has their own ideas about who Jesus is. Everybody. For some people, he is the image of everything plastic and tinsel and sentimental. For some people, he's a very wise religious teacher uh, who had some very progressive ideas 2,000 years ago. For some people, he is the unofficial mascot of the United States of America. Everybody's got their own ideas about who he is. But Jesus is not a character in our stories. We are characters in his. It would be really easy and really tempting for us to allow our faith to remain very quaint and very sentimental, to stay right there by the manger and to have the stars and the shepherds and the angels and the tinsel and the plastic and all of that stuff That would be very quaint. But at some point, just like Jesus grew in his wisdom and his stature and his favor with God and people, our faith has to grow too. And we need to let him take the lead. Growing in faith means opening ourselves up to different expectations for how God is going to function in our lives. Growing in our faith means being able to make a transition. It means being able to make a transition in the ways that we think about God, in the ways that we practice our faith, in the ways that we show up in the, in the world. Have you ever noticed that people of faith tend to be very, very afraid of change. We tend to want to conserve the things that we can conserve. But growth is change. And Jesus insists upon growth. Not all change is growth, but all growth is change. So as we celebrate Christmas and as we look forward to this new year, what are the things that Jesus might be asking you to consider or to reconsider? What are the the things that Jesus might be asking you to change? What are the new ideas that he might be calling you to entertain? What is the new obedience that he's asking from you? How can you follow Jesus out of your box out of your well-worn paths and into something that is brave and new and beyond your old cultural constraints. It's very challenging, I know. I want to leave you with one thing. Did you see what Mary did? In verse uh, 51, it's just another reason why Mary is probably my favorite character in the whole Bible. For three days, this poor woman has been looking for her son. She thinks that she has lost the incarnate son of God. That's a lot of pressure, right? For three days, she's lost the boy. And then in verse 51, it says that his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. 
She treasured all of these things in her heart. All of that chaos. All of that unknown. She treasured those things in her heart. Can you believe that? Do you have any idea what this woman has been through? And yet she takes a step back from all of the madness. She takes a step back from all of the chaos. And she treasures those things in her heart. Mary is treasuring things that she cannot control or understand. Boy, would I love to be able to do that. To to have such a faith and such a trust in God, to be able to treasure things that I cannot control nor understand. Wow. It's very much in line with what the angel What Mary says to the angel in chapter 1 of Luke, which is, she says, Let it be to me as you have said. Let it be to me as you have said. Now there's a a beautiful disposition for for the new year. Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. Let it be to me as you have said. Lord Jesus, right out of the gate, we haven't even had 24 hours yet to consider your incarnation, and you're already pushing us. We would very much like to lead you, Jesus. We would very much like to command you. We would very much like to force you into our frame and to make you fit into our cultural sensibilities. But thankfully, Lord, you are much more powerful than that. You are much greater than that. So today, Jesus, trusting in your love for us, we commit ourselves to a bold faith, a growing faith, a changing faith, a challenging faith that causes us to see you as the ultimate guide and allows us to treasure even chaos in our hearts. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your love. In your beautiful name we pray.